Good morning or evening. This is Kerry Tennis. It's Thursday, April 29th, 2021, and today I'm going to do things slightly differently because this is the story behind the workshops and the book, that is the finishing school workshops. So how it really began is, is like this. In 2004, I was finishing up an article for Salon.com about George W. Bush and the upcoming presidential election when I thought I was having a heart attack. I hit send, and then I dialed 911. I called my wife from the ambulance, spent the night in the hospital, and the next day dialed into the Tuesday editorial meeting from my hospital bed. All the tests showed I was not having a heart attack, I was having a panic attack. And that whole episode got me thinking, maybe I was a little too stressed out. I had the heart pounding, teeth grinding, palm sweating habit of high pressure deadline driven daily journalism and it had literally landed me in the hospital. And it was a warning sign. I needed to find a more humane approach to creativity that would stress community. So I read Pat Schneider's book, Writing Alone and with Others. By 2007, I was leading Amherst Writers and Artists style workshops using the method described in her book. And that kind of saved me. But I was no saint. I was still driven to write for publication, and that meant finishing big projects and putting pressure on myself. My workshops, my Amherst Writers and Artists workshops, were attracting bright, creative, courageous writers, but we weren't turning out work for publication, and this mystified me because I was driven to finish work, even though I myself was having trouble finishing work. So I came up with a workshop style that was a twist on AA, on the AWA method and also borrowed from something I'd had experience with called Artists Anonymous, which was a 12-step knockoff. This workshop I created kept a humane foundation, but it focused not on creating work in the present but focused on finishing writing projects, and for that matter, finishing all kinds of projects. Some people came into the workshop with legal issues or economic issues or house cleaning, decluttering issues. One person came in with what she thought was a film script, and it turned out she actually wanted to create a um, film festival. It was an amazing process of discovery, even though it was intended as a way to finish a project. And the reason that would happen, I think, is that once we focus on the tangible items that we need to create in order to finish a project, we sometimes find that we have no taste for what we think we're trying to do. And we're called in different directions. But anyway, this method I created, I called it finishing school, and it got results. Apologies to my old friend Leslie, uh, from whom, without realizing it, I apparently took the name and um, 
she was a little miffed by that, and I meant no harm, and I just always like to apologize for that, finishing school. It was born in 2013 in the living room of our house at 1966 48th Avenue in San Francisco, out by the ocean. And by 2015, the writer Donnell Morton and I had a deal with Tarcher Perigee Penguin to write the finishing school book. And then suddenly, in the midst of that, Norma and I, my wife, decided we moved to Italy. And still, Donnell and I used the finishing school method to finish the finishing school book which launched in January 2017. During that time, Norma and I rented an apartment above uh, Piazza del Municipio in Castellon Fiorentino, and I would uh, sit in the apartment on all the dusty old Italian couches. It was a furnished apartment, and uh, look out at the Spandiatori and the drummers and buglers, the bands, and the elaborate costumes of all the Renaissance ceremonies that uh, our Italian town of Castiglione Fiorentino puts on every year. And I would work on the book, and we, Danelle and I, used the finishing school method, sharing drafts with each other and uh, conferring over the telephone to finish the book. And it launched in January 2017, But here's the thing about moving to Italy. I naively thought that we would move to Italy and continue just as we had in San Francisco, only we'd be closer to the site of our uh, writing retreats. And (laughs) this was not true. This was a shock. This... Uh, now I look around me and I, <laughs> I have to slap my forehead and go, this is really Italy. I mean, it's really Italian. I mean, things work differently here. The people are different. The culture is different. The assumptions about life are different. The pace of life is different. And I started doing finishing school online a couple of times, but for one reason or another, couldn't uh, keep it going. But this time, I am, I am committed, I am dedicated to keeping it going, to starting it, to putting up the infrastructure, to maintaining it, and just keep it going as, as, long, as, <laughs> as long as I can, am still a uh, you know, functioning human, basically. Just like with the AWA workshops. They've been going now for years, and the community that's grown up around my one Sunday AWA workshop is incredible. The power of it, the power of weekly continuous meeting, how, how, it, uh, how it grows, and, and the writers just prosper in it. It's really beautiful. So... I was really stressed out in San Francisco, and I did need a change. And I've learned a lot, and I've slowed down a lot, but 
I'm still a driven person. I still crave that structured progress that finishing school provides. I'm, I'm still a vitally creative person who wants to finish creative projects and send them into the world. And for that, I still need the structure and accountability and group support of a finishing school. And actually, now more than ever, because I'm no longer surrounded by all the ambitious, world-beating creative types I was surrounded by in San Francisco. This is a beautiful place to be, and I love the people here, but the people in our town, they're not running around creating companies. They're not trampling all over each other to be the first to do the newest thing or eat the newest ice cream or eat at the newest restaurant. There's no life hacking here. They're not reinventing themselves. They're not reinventing cuisine or reinventing architecture. The old recipes, the old farming practices, the old cooking methods, the tried and true, the old faiths, the old beliefs, the old ways of dressing and comporting oneself, the old courtesies, the old reticence. These are the things that hold this Italian town together and make it such a marvelous and humane place to live. But like I say, I'm still the same driven, creative person, the same American, the same, you know, indoctrinated with the individuality and and striving so I want to keep finishing school going as long as I'm able you know every week online forever till I drop or or till I have to call in from the hospital uh, and so I'm setting up so that it's affordable and so because continuity is more important to me right now than and cash flow and community is more important than cash flow. I've never been really drawn to business and I'm not in a quest for fame or, or market capitalization. You know, frankly, I'm 67 years old. I'm officially retired. I, I don't need the money. I have, I'm taking my, my pension and... I have a committed group that's starting this Monday. There might be room for one or two more folks. If you've listened this long and you're interested, you can get in touch with me. The main thing about finishing school is that it's a useful tool. It's a useful tool. It's not a life, uh, it's not going to transform your life, you know. It's not going to take away your pimples or give you a washboard uh, abdomen or um, make, <laughs> you know, it, it's a useful tool. It's a beautiful tool for certain people who are very creative, but also smart enough to realize that life conditions often work against the creative discipline, as well as our own natures, our own personalities often work against our creative talent. I intentionally make modest promises and modest assumptions about this, but it sometimes has amazing, surprising results. It's not me. It's, it's the method. It's the process. And to borrow a phrase from the 12-step movement, 
It works if you work it. That is, it's a tool. I, I like to be careful not to overstate it as some kind of miracle cure for endemic laziness or sloppiness of, or lack of ideas. It won't turn you into a genius. It won't teach you how to write or what to say. And speaking of writing, finishing school is not a critique group. We assiduously avoid commenting and critiquing on whatever anyone else is doing. We don't read each other's work. We don't analyze each other's projects. We listen to each other talk about the challenges of finding the time and sticking with the project and solving the technical and practical problems that the project itself presents. We trust that if you're a creative person, you'll solve it, you'll figure it out, or you'll abandon it. You'll say, now that I've really looked at it carefully, it's not the direction I want it to go, and you'll abandon it and move on. And that, I consider that a creative act in itself. The sole emphasis is to provide creative people the opportunity to seize their own time. In fact, we say, I like to say, acquiring time rather than scheduling time. I like to think of us as getting time and using it. And scheduling feels a little constrictive to me. We acquire time and we write in our calendars. You're autonomous in the group, and you, like all of us, have external impediments to a happy creative life, and, and you can share them with us, and we support each other in overcoming these external impediments. Uh, we're not so prideful as to think that we can help you fix your inner life, <laughs> but we share the difficulties that we encounter and sometimes those difficulties are internal and that means trusting others enough anyway to tell the truth about the difficulties we're having not that we expect anybody to solve them but it is helpful just to talk about the larger situation of our personalities and our backgrounds in relation to trying to solve uh, creative problems. But we don't do critiques and we don't psychoanalyze each other. We focus on how are you going to solve that? What are you thinking about? What are you planning? How is it working? How are the conditions of your life working for you or against you? Are there any uh, steps you can take to remove the external obstacles to your creative uh, happiness. You know, seriously, uh, in the Finishing School book, we do we talk about, we have a chapter on what's wrong with writing groups and, and how they can be perilous. And critiques, you know, how a critique can easily devolve into a withering, soul-murdering takedown. You know, I don't even want the possibility of that, you know, and I feel actually that we're the guardians of each other's creative spirits. That's really how I feel about it. I'm, that might be stretching it for some, but personally, that's, that's how I feel about it. So this morning, 
I was thinking about a phrase I always read in my Amherst Writers and Artists workshops. It's in the Patchneyer's Five Essential Affirmations and Practices. I always read this before every workshop to set the tone. And one of the first uh, assertions is that we are born with creative genius. And I always hesitate a little when I read this because I don't want it to be misunderstood. And I've been thinking about creativity as an autonomous spirit within a person. I'm thinking that for me, creativity is an autonomous spirit within me. It is the mysterious and powerful human capacity for, in effect, making life. Making art is making life. But this assertion that we are born with creative genius, we are all born with creative genius, troubled me a little at first, and and others had questioned it. So I asked Pat Schneider, the founder of this method, once when she was still around. We uh, lost her last year. But uh, I asked her what she meant by that creative genius bit. As, you know, I mean, we can all agree that as babies, we're not all little Michelangelo's or Leonardo da Vinci's. What Pat Schneider meant was that infants do not just passively become humans. They must construct for themselves a world, a working model of reality. And to do this involves some trial and error, some hypothesis and experimentation, as children must experiment with uh, gravity and with the physical properties of objects such as the difference between a rubber ball and a glass bottle if you subject it to the forces of gravity and a sidewalk, you know, and the nature of our own bodies. We are creating and experimenting and testing hypotheses about reality from the moment we are born. The courage and cheerfulness with which children go about creating that reality and learning about the external reality beyond them, that's a powerful model for us adults as creative people to contemplate. Children do not shrink from the problem of discovery. They are driven to discover. They must discover. They do not assume they know everything. They do not pretend to know what's what. They're endlessly improvising, experimenting, trying out scripts, imagining stories to explain what they experience. So we could learn a lot from children. That's what Pat Schneider meant about we're all born with creative genius. And also in that phrase, I think for her, there's a hint of the belief in the divinity of children and the divinity of the creative spirit. I also feel that. I also feel the divinity of the creative spirit and thus the obligation to protect it as one would protect a child. A child who must experiment and who thus is going to make mistakes, not out of mischief or ill will, but because every child is a scientist as well as an artist. And I think every person's creative spirit uh, retains that childlike quality of both the scientist and the artist. And in a, to our peril as adults, to our peril, we abandon that 
spirit. We uh, are uh, enlivened, emboldened um, by protecting that spirit. I mean, the minute we feel we've got it all figured out, we're sunk, it's over. The spirit of creativity is one of exploration, not manufacture. Finally, I just want to say a thing about Italy. I mean, the thing about Italy is I have indeed learned a lot about life by living here. One of the big things is Italians do not worship the almighty dollar or the almighty euro. That's maybe the biggest, strangest, hardest thing to get used to here. And it's one of the first things I noticed, that the motivation here is not the money. Unlike in America, and this may be one reason, Italians do not fear becoming homeless if they're short on cash or going bankrupt if they have a sudden illness or getting shot in the crossfire of a routine gun battle in the street or getting pulled over by armed police for minor infractions. And, you know, this period we're going through with black people being shot and killed by police, it's a transformative moment in America. And Italians are aghast and mystified at this phenomenon. Police, they almost never pull you over here. Every now and then, they will be doing traffic stops and they'll be standing on the side of the road and wave a, a, like a little big lollipop stop sign at you and, and check your license. But it's not like that heart-pounding, tense scene in America when a state trooper gets on your tail and pulls you over. <sighs> so that's just an aside, I guess. The main thing is I wanted to talk about the finishing school workshops. So I think that's it for now. I have a ton of things more to say, but I want to focus this week on the workshop. So uh, I'll talk to you soon. And next week, who knows? <laughs> Every week uh, is a mystery. Every week is a surprise for me. Okay, that's it for now. Ciao.